Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, who wants to be a millionaire? I saw two hands up. Three, four. All right. Do you, you remember that show, though, right? You, if you answer 15 questions correctly, just like that, now you are a millionaire. I was thinking about that and was wondering, I wonder how many people that actually was in the history of that show. And you know how many that was? Twelve. That's not a whole lot. Who wants to be a millionaire? I guess, you know, if, if someone were to give you a large sum of, a large sum? A large sum of money with no strings attached, you wouldn't complain about that, would you? Are the gears turning in your mind Are you thinking about what you would do if someone gave you that large chunk of cash? Would you pay off the house? Would you pay off all the credit cards? Would you pay off the medical expenses that have been piling up? Then what would you do? Would you go on a lavish vacation? Would you you buy a new car or five? Would you build a new house? Be honest with yourselves, brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of you first thought about what you would do for you? Who wants to be a millionaire? Well, apparently quite a few people want to be a millionaire. An outdated Gallup poll from 2016 says that half of all Americans play the lottery. Half. And a CNBC article claims that those who play the lottery on average spend $1,000 a year. And then what happens if you win? It's just apparently someone won the second largest payout just recently in Illinois, $1.28 billion. What happens if you win that much money? What if you're one of those lucky people? Let me tell you a tale of a tragic story. It goes like this. If you had $3 in your bank account, would you buy a lottery ticket with that? Well, that's not a great idea. William Post III, known to his friends as Bud, went a step further. He pawned the last few possessions that he had for $40, and he spent that $43 on lottery tickets. Foolish though it was, the gamble paid off. One of those tickets won him $16.2 million from the Pennsylvania lottery. Now, you might think that a man who'd been a drifter would have an easy life from the moment that he won. But unfortunately, upon cashing, in, cashing on in his win, post-life took a turn for the worse. Everybody dreams of winning money, but no one realizes the nightmares that come out of the woodwork or the problems, he said. Well, how could that happen? Well, Post spent his money wildly. He spent the majority on the first, uh, of his first yearly installment of his winnings, which totaled over $400,000 in just two weeks. After a year, he was half a million dollars in debt. His girlfriend sued him, claiming that they had agreed to share the money if he won, and when she won her claim in, in court... He couldn't pay, so lottery payouts were frozen. He had to declare bankruptcy, 
and he only managed to hold on to about $2.6 million, which he immediately spent. He was arrested for assault after firing a shotgun at a man who was pestering him for money. And worst of all, his brother hired a hitman to kill him and his wife so that he would inherit the money. And Post was on wife number six at that point. Thirteen years later, the lottery-cursed victim died alone and penniless. He'd been living off of welfare payments. Wow. Now look, in Jesus' day, there was no such thing as the lottery, right? No mega millions or whatever it is. But that doesn't mean that people didn't quarrel and fight and argue about money or possessions or goods. In fact, in our gospel reading today, Jesus is talking and someone pipes up in the crowd asking Jesus to be the judge between he and his brother about a proper division of an inheritance. You and I know this, that inheritance isn't winning the lottery, right? But it's similar in this manner, that money and possessions are given to an individual that they didn't previously have. All of a sudden you have this 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 large chunk of money or property or whatever it might be. The difference between the two, however, is this. Money and possessions given come through at no effort or investment by the recipient. That's to say, an inheritance, that's all gift, right? You don't have to answer 15 questions on a game show. You don't have to buy tickets for a chance to win. An inheritance is a gift, but it's a gift that can change lives. In this instance, the man petitioning Jesus, or for this man, this gift, this inheritance, has become now a point of contention between he and his brother. The gift doesn't change life for the better. In fact, it seems to bring out the worst in people, much like the tragic tale of Mr. Post. Having everything and more that's needed isn't necessarily everything that it's cracked up to be. So Jesus makes this proclamation for everyone to hear, for this man and for those who are gathered, his disciples. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he goes on with a short parable. And I want you to hear it one more time and listen to how Jesus is characterizing the, 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 the main character in the parable. Jesus said, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. There's two things that you should hear in this story or this parable. The first is the use of me, myself, and I, the personal possessive, the way that this man is so focused on himself. My crops, my barn, my grains, my goods. What shall I do with my 
stuff. The rich man is so curved in on himself. The second thing you should note is that like an inheritance, all that this man has ultimately is a gift. The land produced plentifully. Well, who caused the ground to be plentiful? Who caused the crops to ultimately grow? Who provided the means to store the crops? Who gives daily bread? It's all gift. All that the rich man has is from the gracious hand of the Lord. But what does this man do with it? Well, he seeks to keep it all for himself. There's not a hint of sharing the abundance of his crops with others. There is no seeking to serve his neighbor. He is thinking that all that is there is his, and then he dies. It's almost the Mr. T uh, reading of the gospel. Fool! Right? This night your life is demanded of you. The man who has so much dies. As the old adage goes, you can't take it with you, right? Which, of course, is rooted in Holy Scripture from Job 1.22, where Job cries out, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then what becomes of all that you leave behind? We can read again Ecclesiastes. You look to the gospel. where We find brother will argue against brother about who gets the bigger share of the inheritance. So let me ask you this again. <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? Now to be fair, right? You all know that money, the inheritance, the gift, the mammon, the stuff of this life is not really the heart of the issue. The issue is the heart. The heart that longs and lusts after the money. The heart that worships the money as that which will protect and provide. The heart that is turned in on itself and seeks to use all of the good gifts only for selfish endeavors. That's the problem. That's your problem. <laughs> That's my problem. That's sin. And sin leaves us bound to serve the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, until at last our souls are demanded of us by the one who gave them. The Lord have mercy and grant us forgiveness. The good news, of course, is that he does. Jesus, the Son of God from all eternal, eternity, equal in glory, honor, and majesty with the Father and the Holy Spirit, stripped himself of the, the riches of heaven and took up the flesh of his creation. Remember, he was not born in a palace. <laughs> he was born in a stable. Didn't live in the capital city of Jerusalem, but in an outlying podunk town of Nazareth. 
as he begins his ministry, his needs were provided for by others. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, Jesus said. Jesus had his daily bread, and that was it. He didn't have barns full of earthly treasure. He didn't carry bags around with him of gold to pay his tax. He, in fact, had Peter one day go out fishing and pull up the first fish that he found and open its mouth, and there was a coin that would pay for his tax and Peter's tax. For all practical purposes and from everyone's perception, Jesus lived day by day. No health care, no 401k, no investments, no diversified portfolios. But see, what Jesus had, he gave freely. He shared freely. God in the flesh gave of himself. Jesus came to give the gift of life. Not a life devoted to self, but a life that is like his. Where we are set free to to serve others with what it is that we've first been given. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He made the the blind see, the deaf hear, the, the lame walk. He gave his life in exchange for yours. He paid for your life not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. His innocent blood. Blood that flowed from a pure and a holy heart. Blood flowing from the only one who lives solely for the sake of others. His blood was shed for you. His blood washes over you and cleanses you of your sin. And by his blood, you are set free. And so now in Christ, oh, you are more than a millionaire, for you have been given the riches of heaven. You are a beloved child of God. You are an heir of everlasting life. You are given an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or or fade, for you are rich in Christ. And you are rich toward God when you believe this. Faith, which receives all that Christ Jesus has done for you, is what makes you rich toward God. Faith receives this gift. Faith receives the inheritance. Faith receives Christ. Faith is what moves you to receive and give thanks for your daily bread. And what is faith? Well, look, it's another gift. Wonderfully and graciously given by God for you. Faith in Christ instructs us not to hoard our material blessings for ourselves. Faith in Christ moves us to imitate, to follow Jesus in the way that we use what we have been given. Now think about this. Now two years ago, what what would that have looked like? Well, it probably would have been bringing or leaving a roll of toilet paper on your neighbor's doorstep, right, in the midst of the pandemic where you couldn't find it on the shelves. Today, it might look like sharing extra food that you have with others or buying someone a tank of gas. Talk about a costly expense. Faith in Christ motivates us to open our homes, to to share our tables, 
to serve our neighbors rather than to simply look after our own. Faith in Christ opens our hearts and our hands to share the wonderful gifts God has given us with others. And if perhaps the Lord grants you an abundance of money, or you find that you win the lottery, or you work hard to become a millionaire, faith instructs us to invest that in others. Invest in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, who is the giver of all good gifts, and whose inheritance is offered to all. I want to close uh, today with, uh, uh, I shared a tale of woe with Mr. Post, but I want to share a positive story here. There was an older, unassuming man whose wife had died. Members of his congregation gave of their time and their resources to care for him, help him with his legal affairs, and, and, uh, and help him get resettled. A few years later, this man was laid to rest in Christ, and the couple who had helped him after his wife died, well, they stepped in again and served as the executor of his estate. Now, this couple had, they had no children, no real next of kin, so the service that this particular couple rendered was truly a gift to honor that man. It turned out that this man who lived on his own in an unassuming little apartment left all that he had for the ministry of the gospel. He left sizable amounts of money to the seminaries, to Lutheran Hour Ministries, and he left his home congregation a quarter of a million dollars. And his name? Some of you might remember him. Walt Sterner. And this was his congregation. With that gift, we, the people of faith, set up an endowment so that every year money would be available for additional ministry above and beyond our budgeted expenses. In the years since, the blessings that were given to Walt continue to be used to bless others for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. See, Rich, or, uh, uh, Walt was an example of being rich toward God. But not just him. As I look out on this congregation I see so many others who are rich toward God in faith. You dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you who use the blessings that has been given you to bless others, you who who thank and praise God in faith as the giver of all good gifts, you who receive the word of the Lord and who eat from his table and, and leave here with a desire to serve your neighbors, you are rich toward God in faith. You might not have a million dollars in your bank account, but you are rich in Christ. For he has given all for you, and you are rich in God, rich toward God in faith and in acts of love. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.